Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey there, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR Lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back for yet another episode. You guys are absolutely awesome. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. I'm here to help share with you the how and the what in human resources because I'm in the human business, and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. So today I want to share with you poster updates, everybody's favorite for the beginning of the year. Uh, employment law changes that are happening across the nation. Today, the main topic we're going to really be looking at is what is going on, what we anticipate happening with the Biden and Harris administration and what to expect in 2021. And then I'm going to teach you guys how to get into the HR conversation. So before we go on uh, any further, folks, that the information that is available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. If you need have some issues, you should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any problems that you're having. If you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead, reach out to me, and I might be able to refer one to you through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, so here we go. Poster updates. This is a big one today. All right, changes that are already in place for January 2021, which means that if you hear your state and your municipality, that means that you guys... Um, if you haven't ordered posters and those updates, you got to make sure you do that, get those things up there. Not that anybody would come and actually actively look, but you know what, if you do run into some employee issues and we're talking about have employees been notified about their rights, that's going to be one of the first things that they're going to want to know is, well, do you have the information posted? So that's the big piece. Okay. So changes that are taking a place in January. 2021, if you are in the following states, you have poster updates that you need to order a new poster. I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a minute. Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Vermont and Washington State, you guys all have poster updates. That's Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Vermont, and Washington State. Now, (laughs) there's more. If you are in the following cities, you guys have a supplemental poster that you also need to invest in getting. So if you are in Flagstaff, Arizona, Belmont, California, Cupertino, California, Daly City, California, El Cerrito, California, Half Moon Bay, California, Hayward, California, Los Altos, California, Menlo Park, California, Mountain View, California, Novato, California, 
Oakland, California, Palo Alto, California, Petaluma, California, Redwood, California, Richmond, California, San Carlos, California, San Diego, California, San Francisco, California, San Jose, California, San Mateo, California, Santa Clara, California, Santa Rosa, California, Sonoma, California, South San Francisco, California, Sunnyvale, California, Denver, Colorado, Portland, Maine, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Bernalillo, New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico, New York, New York, Seattle, Washington, and SeaTac, Washington. You guys all have municipality supplemental posters that you need to get. Now, if you want to get posters, but you don't want any of that weird, annoying, threatening kind of expensive, hey, you have to spend this much money because... Uh, you know, you're not doing this right and it's not entirely accurate marketing information. Join our friends over at Labor Law Compliance Center by visiting www.laborlawcc.com and you can get posters at a reduced rate, 25% off by using this code POSTERS2021 and I promise you, you're not going to get any of that wild kind of marketing stuff. It's, I don't believe in it. Uh, it drives me absolutely personally batty and crazy. I think it's inauthentic. And I've seen a lot of employers and clients of mine actually thinking that they were doing the right thing. And to some degree, they are investing in stuff that they actually don't need and actually don't qualify for. So, um, yeah, so don't do that. That's bad. <laughs> Anyway, we got some employment news. Um, if you'd like to get access to more employment news than what's here on the show, uh, that also includes state-specific updates, hop over and sign up uh, for the HR resource site over on uh, brendathehrlady.com. Um, here you're going to be able to gain access to current HR news, which includes six major employment news categories, all streaming in. You're going to have COVID updates, employment law, legal updates, litigation updates, collective bargaining and unionization. Oh my gosh, I couldn't say that right. Unionization. Oh. Affirmative action, EEO1 reporting and OFCC updates, as well as information on disability. You get real-time comprehensive uh, updates for individual states as well. And over 100 streaming articles from nearly 70 resources across the U.S., which includes one in Canada. Uh, you're also going to have access to downloadable HR tools, access to videos, and case law summaries. And today we actually just loaded uh, updates on the EEO wellness program determinations that came out actually this month. So you can get access to this literally massive amount of information for only $9 a month. And I keep this low because I want you to have access to information because HR now, more than ever, really is self-service rather than full service at the pump and more so these days than ever before. So you can register by visiting brendathehrlady.com. Again, click on the HR resources site link at the top and you'll have access to the library of practical and tactical HR tools, videos, resources, and all sorts of information for HR practitioners to utilize and work through these complex issues that we continue to face. Also, I offer a 15-day love it or get your money back guarantee. So can't go wrong. It's less than three cups of coffee in a week to get a ton of information every month. It's only $9. And not to mention, you can get your, if you don't like it, you can just go ahead and cancel and we'll do a 15-day money back uh, return if you don't like it. Okay, information coming down the pike about employment news. Um, there's a Consolidated Appropriations Act that is of 2021 that is out. It has made updates to pay the Paycheck Protection Program. So if you guys have been involved in the PPP, 
uh, definitely make sure that you are following up on what is going on with the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. Also, the Fifth Circuit has rejected the two-step approach for certifying FLSA collection actions. Uh, uh, law firm Ford Harrison has actually put out a really great article called The First Amendment, where it is implicated and where it is not. Also, the Department of Labor has issued the final proxy voting rules for ERISA plan fiduciaries. And lastly, the OFCCP has issued opinion letters explaining the application of Executive Order 11246 under religious exemption. So that is what we've got. There's tons of news over in the HR resource site. Um, hop on over. You guys can go ahead and, like I said, just jump in. It's less than three cups of coffee a month. Less than three cups of coffee a week for a monthly subscription. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the Special Operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. So today's our main segment is we are really taking a close look at what we could anticipate during the new Biden-Harris administration and what looks like may be happening in 2021. Now, we're already seeing information and movement on this in the headlines. We're seeing headlines reporting that the first 10 days of the Biden-Harris administration that uh, the new president-elect is going to be making swift action within 10 days or within the first 10 days. So Buckle up and get ready. Now, before I go on with this, guys, I want you to remember that first and foremost, this is not a political discussion. This is actually real time, real issues that companies and HR pros have to address. They have to deal with these things and you have to be ready for them because we don't know when all this stuff is going to go into place. And if, there, if the administration, the new administration is moving this quickly, more than likely, it's going to be rounding the corner really fast. So we want to make sure that you guys are fully prepared for this. 
Now, on December 16, 2020, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission uh, published guidelines on administering COVID-19 vaccinations in the workplace. We think that this is a big area uh, that is going to be impacted, and not to mention it provided information about religious and medical exemptions to mandatory vaccination programs. More than likely, we are going to see rising claims about employers and their failure to grant a reasonable accommodation to those who seek exemptions from mandatory vaccination programs, despite the guidance which suggests that mandatory vaccine program, vaccination programs are acceptable under federal anti-discrimination laws. Now, I gave a, a lecture on this uh, a month ago, actually in December, and really advised the audience that, you know what, if you want to consider this, don't. Put yourself in a position where you guys and Suzanne, my partner over at the at the Real HR Show, she says this the best. If you're going to have to go to court for something like this, make sure you're not the first employer that goes to court over something like this, because that is it's going to be a landmark case. So if you are on the fence, or if you're not 100% sure that a mandatory vaccine is, policy is for you, then my recommendation is to hold and just see what the landscape takes. We don't know if, if municipalities, if the government's going to require it. This is a very complicated issue, but we are likely going to see an increase in litigation challenges, especially at the state level, okay? That's where we think that some of this is really going to happen, more so at the federal level, and mainly because the states are moving very quickly to get legislation in place ever since COVID has hit. All right, we actually may see more prevalence of mandatory vaccination programs as well as more litigation on the topic as the COVID-19 vaccine becomes more widely available to the general public. So for instance, we are probably going to like to see some motion uh, as we get into with the state of Massachusetts uh, somewhere probably around like April 2021, simply because the Commonwealth has issued their phased rollout plan. So we're probably going to wind up seeing some motion in Massachusetts, and that's just an example that we're using. So definitely want to keep your eye on the ball and what is going on, both at the federal level and at the state level. But more than likely, there's going to be high-level administration support on a mandatory vaccine um, here in the U.S., We'll see how it happens. We'll see how this all goes. Okay, we have no idea, but that's a possibility. All right, labor law changes. Labor law changes happen with every new administration, and some move faster than others. So uh, Biden has actually declared that he is going to be the strongest labor president you've ever had. That is a direct quote from him. New board appointments will start taking place and a general counsel, uh, those things are already happening, all right, which means that we probably may not see a, any type of shift at the National Labor Relations Bureau at that level until later in the year. Um, with his commitment to a commitment to unionization, oh man, I don't know why I'm having a hard time with that word today, we will eventually see the NLRB actually revert back to a pro-labor position which is going to make it easy for labor for unions to go ahead and organize and re-intensify that level of scrutiny over employer policies, all right? And it's highly possible that the more drastic labor changes could occur through legislation now that the post-election results have solidified a Democratic-controlled Senate. So not only do we have a Democratic-controlled administration, we have a Democratic-controlled House and a Democratic-controlled Senate. And that typically means that some things uh, that really there's a lot of shift that's going to take place, and there's a lot of momentum to get policy through, okay? One of those changes that could pop is the passing of the PRO Act, which would actually ban the right-to-work uh, right laws and codify what is known as ambush election rules. 
Another area where we expect to see changes is in minimum wage at the federal level. Um, this has been no secret. This has been part of Biden's campaign all along. Uh, he has, we've been talking about it for many, many, many years. Um, and it looks like this is the administration that is likely going to make this happen. Um, so realist, so keeping it real, okay, expect this new administration to really make that come true. They have been very committed, uh, you know, all along the way. All right. So expect that sooner rather than later. Now, we don't know if it's going to be a gradual change. We don't know if it's going to pop sooner rather than later. We just don't have enough information just yet. But also expect the new administration to seek the elimination of the reduced minimum wage for tipped employees as well. Okay. So that involves that tip credit as well. Now, we also may wind up seeing an increase in the exempt employee threshold wage. So back a while ago uh, during the Obama administration, uh, they had initially proposed a $917 per week threshold and what would uh, potentially deem an employer, what would deem an employee uh, the difference between an exempt employee and a non-exempt employee. So just be prepared because it is likely going to go ahead and make some additional challenges and complications. You just have to be ready for this. Okay? We don't know if and when it's going to happen. More than likely, these are some agenda things that have been talked about for a while. Okay, These moves are twofold. First, it's going to bring low-paid workers up into income levels that match a little bit closer to the current cost of living in certain areas across the country. So that's a good news. However, it's also going to place significant strain on already strained businesses right now who are actually trying to make ends meet. So it's kind of like one of those things. It could potentially be a good idea, but the, the timing is really bad. And what my opinion is on this, I, I mean, I'm. this is kind of one of those things, if I were to give an opinion, it could be taken in a number of different ways. So here's what I will offer about it, is that no matter what happens and no matter the reasons why, you guys have to be prepared to move on this. You have to start doing your analysis and your preparation for this to potentially come because when it does, then you'll be ready for it. If you hold off and wait and you don't know what your financial position is as a company, you're going to wind up, you're going to be in some, some pain and you actually may wind up having to do things you don't want to do like reduce wages for other individuals. You may have to go ahead and lay some people off, right? This is going to impose a change on your company whether you want it to happen or not okay in addition those companies have already been uh, have already actually applied for and are expecting to receive the next round of forgivable loans under this new stimulus will likely miss out on capitalizing on including that new minimum wage increase into their calculations for submission and get additional aid so it's kind of like timing is everything on this one but be prepared that more than likely we are going to see a spike in minimum wage if the spike in minimum wage doesn't meet the $15 threshold federally at the state level, be very prepared because that still may happen after all. So you guys are going to definitely keep your eyes on the ball there and really start doing your analysis while you can. All right, here's something else that companies are going to have to start getting ahead of sooner rather than later. And this is where you're really going to have to bring in your attorneys, your employment attorneys and, um, this is specifically in the realm of employment. It's not necessarily in the realm of B2B or general business, but you're definitely going to want to start talking to your employment attorney about non-competes and non-solicitation agreements. And these protected covenants that we have wrapped our arms around, um, he is, I'm giving you your early warning right now, okay? 
he does not want him. And basically, uh, you know, let me kind of go through my notes here. I kind of, kind of get a little bit ahead of myself. <clears throat> it's you want to start thinking about these things now. And really what you want to think about is how to move forward with your employment attorney. Uh, President-elect Biden has signaled in his opposition to these kinds of agreements. Uh, many employers actually use non-compete uh, non and non-soliciting. Oh my gosh, what is with me today? Non-compete, non-solicitation agreements as a tool to keep their competitors from realistically like taking hold and grabbing their confidential and proprietary protected information, as well as customer relationships, right? And that's very important. I think every business has a right to fight for something like that. However, President-elect believes that non-compete clauses and no poaching agreements do nothing but actually suppress wages. I don't necessarily agree with that, okay? Um, I think that there is a lot of viability to keeping what you have, you and your company have produced and staying competitive, I don't see the connection between suppressing wages. Um, I see the connection between somebody who may be working in a niche industry being challenged uh, and tasked to try and find somebody that they can work for if they are in such a niche industry that the information that they have is so valuable and it is so, and the industry is so small that, yeah, could it cause, you know, a little bit of hardship and heartburn trying to find another job? It, it may, and, and that I can appreciate, but I don't agree that it necessarily suppresses wages. Um, if Biden is actually successful in establishing statutory or regulatory ban on non-competes or non-poaching agreements, employers are going to need to start identifying now other ways to protect their trade secrets, their confidential information, and what kind of goodwill they've extended with their customers and their employees. He actually may be able to achieve this goal through regulatory action, including um, including access through the Federal Trade Commission. So stay tuned for that. Really, really, really watch that because if you put something into place, your current ones are probably going to be null and void. So you definitely want to start getting ahead of that. All right. Paid family and medical leave. All right. <clears throat> this is our last one that we're going to talk about here. Expect to see more movement on this at, at, at the state and local level for sure. All right. This is a topic that has been, you know, discussed and debated by lawmakers uh, for quite a while <clears throat> about this, the significance and the efficacy of putting federal paid leave and family medical leave as a piece of legislation in place. Now, the COVID-19 pandemic and recent developments in paid leave laws, um, both at the state and federal level and now at local level, have made it possible uh, to implement a broad federally mandated paid leave program and likely drive it under the Biden-Harris administration. So up until COVID hit, there was nothing out there that required employers to provide a paid leave with the exception of federal contractors. And if you're a federal contractor listening, and if you've been listening to me talk in Clubhouse, this is something that I've I've put out there a little bit earlier, is that the government with, new, with administrators and presidents, what they do is that they have the ability to go ahead and issue executive orders that they know they can implement on government contractors because it's the government, and the government wants to protect the government, which opens the opportunity to implement new policy into the public workspace and the private workspace. This is a really great example. Now, COVID-19 is, an, is a, a massive significant event that allowed paid sick leave to permeate the rest of the U.S. Now, I would view this as a continuing conversation. I'm not saying it's not necessary. 
I'm not saying it's the right thing or the wrong thing to do. All I'm showing you is the roadmap as to how national policy and national uh, changes in employment law can take place through the government contracting compliance pipeline. So um, up, until, up until COVID, to be honest with you, this topic has been considered extremely controversial. It places a significant, um, you know, unlike we've seen with COVID where employers could get dollar for dollar tax credits, it has definitely placed a massive worry financially on top of employers. We don't know what's going to happen moving forward, but Congress has actually passed the Federal Employees Paid Leave Act, which provides paid family leave for certain federal employees who are covered by the Family and Medical Leave Act. Several states, such as Massachusetts, for instance, has also enacted its own paid family and medical leave laws as well. So although the emergency paid sick leave and the expanded medical leave requirements of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act had expired on December 31st, an employer may continue to choose to allow eligible employees under the same provisions to take leave pursuant to the FFCRA through March uh, 2021. So that will actually end voluntarily at the end of March, uh, March 31st, 2021, where uh, employers can no longer get a, a a tax credit if they are extending it. Now, the Biden-Harris administration may also have the social, economic, and political momentum to enact a full federal paid family and medical leave legislation. So this is going to be one of those things that's going to drive your people cost up as well. Now, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it bad. But ultimately, it's going to drive your people costs up. Now, with the possibility of minimum wage increases and the possible mandate paid leave, you guys as company leaders and as a, you know, you want to see it at the table, now's the time to grab it because this is where you're really going to have to keep up with the eyes on the people side of business. Now, if you're wondering what I mean by the people side of business, I want to share with you actually a really cool story. So there's a gentleman by the name of James Dunn, either Dunn or Dune. I'm not sure if I ever know I've correctly pronounced it, but his last name is uh, James D-U-N-N-E. And he was one of three partners at Sandler O'Neill, which is now known as Pipe, uh, Piper Sandler. And 40% of his team was actually killed in the 9-11 tax at the World Trade Center. And he lost two, his other two partners in that event as well. And this was a horrible, horrible, tragic event. <clears throat> uh, significant, as we all know. As a matter of fact, we're coming up on the 20th, 20th anniversary of 9-11. Can you believe that? And really, the firm's survival became his mission. And what he did is that he focused in on the people side of business. He led on the people issues. He focused in on salaries and benefits and business continuity to ensure that he could continue making salaries and benefits. And again, he lost 40% of his team plus two of his partners. In addition to that, he also attended funerals. To my understanding, he attended almost every funeral of everybody who perished on that fateful day. And what he did is he created an environment in which people were collectively contributing to the shared success. Uh, business wound up to, uh, business issues wound up eventually taking care of themselves. So what I'm saying is that when you get to crises like this, when you're going to have a massive financial crunch, the big thing that you need to do is to focus in on the people side of business. Now, there's a couple things that you can do. You can start working on now to actually address the rising costs of things. So first off, you can actually take a look at some of your processes and figure out, 
you know, have we been making these things more complicated than the business actually requires? Um, I have a client we've been actively searching for uh, to fill a position. And along the way, we've actually learned that, you know what, the way doing business before was way more complicated than it probably needed to be. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to wind up closing down that requisition and, and, you know, eliminating the position, but they've definitely learned a lot as a result from change. Um, look, I've said this many times before, but I'm telling you right now, if you want to know how to save money in your organization and actually really kind of, you know, rein in, it's not about cutting costs so much as it is about launching a waste initiative. And, you know, invite your employees to submit their ideas to save how they can save the company money because what they view is wasteful spending. They see it when they have the best advantage point from the day to day operations because they're the ones that are they're the ones with the boots on the ground. OK, they're the ones that are seeing that the lights are being left on They're the ones that are seeing, you know, there's, you know, 16 envelopes that are going to the same destination every day and they're all being shipped overnight. Right. There's a number of things that employees can offer up that will help you at the higher levels identify, well, where can we rein in? How can we prevent wasteful spending in the company? And when you, when you rein in on waste, because people believe companies have deep pockets and we all know that they don't, um, it's pretty amazing. And if you really want to motivate employees, make sure, you know, give them, openly reward them, all right? Openly reward employees with ideas that work and, and share what has been saved. Make reduce, reducing waste a cultural value rather than having it as a reputation for cutting costs. If you guys focused in on reducing waste, wasteful spending, you'd be amazed at what, I mean, amazed at what people come up with. Seriously, just try it for one month, 30 days. Do yourself a 30 a 30 day waste reduction spending spree and you will be amazed at what employees actually bring as far as being able to curb waste, uh, wasteful spending in your company. It gives you guys the opportunity uh, to really, you know, get ahead of changes and have the, and, you know, start building up some money that you can actually use for that. Uh, another recommendation too is optimize your benefits program and work with your plan managers to identify cost-effective strategies to reduce the cost of plan utility. Because when you have a high, highly utilized plan, that's going to get expensive. But you want people to use the plan, right? So don't prevent them from trying to use it. That's not good either. But if you actually talk to them about how they can, how you can implement effective strategies to reduce the cost of plan utility and get ahead of increasing renewing costs, that is going to help you out massively as well. Invest in your people. This is the best way that you can up the value of what you provide to your customer, to your client, to the public. And it doesn't always have to involve money when you invest in them, okay? One of the biggest things that you can do is get clear on where your gaps are and provide in-house learning and development opportunities for rising superstars, rising employees in your company. All right. Reinforce. Focus on reinforcing and mastering processes that move your business forward effectively and efficiently. Get really good at what it is that you do. And then also get clear on your KPIs throughout the company. And KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator. If you're not looking at what's driving your organization and sending benchmarks and, and levels of expectations on KPIs, how do you know your company is actually moving forward? Okay, I want to take a step back here real quick when we talk about reinforcing and mastering processes that move your business forward. 
when I was with CarMax years ago, in the very first year I was with CarMax, one of the things that I learned very quickly is that that company at that time, since it wasn't growing, it was just getting really good at what it was doing. That's exactly what happened. We got exceptionally good at what we were doing. We saw massive sales. We broke company. My location actually broke company records left and right. And, uh, and you know, we were trendsetters in that area. But we were really good at what we did. I mean, we were masters at it. And then when we started to grow, we brought in, you know, we grew up new managers within the organization, and those managers were in place. And then I noticed that we actually started getting weak in what we were once really great at. And that was within our processes, within our respect to our processes. I also saw it because, you know, when it came to some of our employees, we had some real masters at selling. We had real masters at, at their craft and what they were doing. But then as we grew people into the organization, we got more more people in. We promoted more managers. We put good managers that we knew how we, we operated with well and how they worked and the jobs that they did. They got promoted to different locations. So that talent all of a sudden went away. That reinforcement of what we did went away that, you know, the support, <clears throat> the leadership, those things went away. And we, and our processes kind of took a little bit of a suffer for it. And we saw some of our customer issues go up. So if you focus in on really, really staying great at what you do, mastering those processes, your employees are going to be able to deliver to your customers time and time again. And with the right expectation and those customers are going to get the experience that you want them to get. Okay, and really get clear in your KPIs. This is another good one. Every single job I've had um, has had key performance indicators of some, especially in retail. We all, all retail is all about KPIs, right? And you know what? I am of that person that not only will I meet them, but I will beat them every year, time and time again. And once I figure out how to do it, I get really good at my processes and I get really good at making sure that we are using KPIs to our advantage because KPI is what moves our company forward. So if you're, you know, if you're in human capital management and you're constantly looking at your retention and you're retaining your clients, that's a key performance indicator. That's going to keep that re that renewable revenue coming in month over month, okay? And that's how all of those things link up. All right. So at the end of the day, and what is most important to remember is to get in front of these challenge, these changes with your CEO and your company leaders now, okay? You're probably going to get some pushback and that they might say, well, you know what, we'll just wait to address it then. You know what, you're in an advisory position. Just say, you know, I think we should really take a look at this now. Let's just leave, let's do the work now and be prepared for it in case it comes up. And then that way we won't, we won't be surprised. We'll, we'll, we'll anticipate what we can and we'll adjust where we need to. All right. We've already seen the immense Im impact of sudden change that, that can happen to a company and we've learned valuable lessening and, and pivoting in 2020. But COVID literally stopped the operations of millions of businesses. And getting ahead will give the chance to prevent such a hard change or a mid-channel stroke from happening again. You don't have to pivot as hard when you're prepared. And that's the bottom line. Two 20-minute walks a day, two of them, in 16-degree weather in Chicago. It's on my Instagram and my Facebook stories. I mean, it's cold. I mean, it is real cold. 
But I'm out there moving, and that's what matters. I saw a friend of mine who is on Instagram uh, called Tribe Skates. He went, he goes out and he does 20 minutes a day. He's a retired Navy SEAL, two times a day, 20 minutes. I mean, the guy has more muscles and more ripples than anybody I know. But he's out there just doing something as simple as walking for 20 minutes a day. And you know it. It motivated me. And I got to tell you what, I, I'm. I'm here in Chicago taking care of my folks while at the same time working and doing all the normal wild HR stuff that I do. Um, I have a father with Alzheimer's. I have a mother who's his caretaker, and she just had surgery on her foot. So I love my parents, but my God, it's like one parent is the equivalent of like two four-year-old children that everybody needs your attention at one time. Plus, I'm trying to work, and I have to work because we've got to make money. i got to make money for the family, and i got to make money for myself. So it is, it, it, wow, <laughs> this is, welcome to 2021 and, and still on COVID lockdown and social distancing and all that stuff. It's crazy, right? But I got to admit, thankfully, I've been really fortunate to stay very healthy in 2020 and despite the stress, just like what I just explained. And I'm not the only one. I mean, my gosh, I'm picking all this up late in the game compared to a lot, a lot of people have had to experience um, throughout the previous year during this pandemic. But you know I'm super big. If you've been listening to this, you know I'm super big on taking care of yourself first so that you can take care of everything that demands your attention. You have to do that. You have to, have to, have to. I just had a 20-minute lecture with somebody about that the other day. And you know that I care about everybody's ability to get rest and recovery. It is a huge focus of mine. It makes all the difference in the world. So I thought I'd share with you, again, what I use to stay healthy. Now, first and foremost, what I've really gotten into is the True Lean Immunity Shot. That stuff is awesome. It is a, it's, it's really nice. It has turmeric. It has a citrus flavor to it. And it also has two different types, I think, black and, Kenya, and cayenne pepper. And there's a lot of benefit to taking that. <clears throat> and there's also a huge shot of B12. So I take that in the afternoon right about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, when I start experiencing my afternoon crash and when I'm in flow, that happens. And I've been in flow for a long time right now. So that tends to happen. Um, in the evening, I take the Naked Warrior Recovery Immunity Booster, two tablets in the evening before I go to sleep. Uh, it doesn't give me the type of energy boost that the immunity shot does, but it does help me keep my immunity levels up while I'm sleeping. It allows to work while I am asleep, and it's awesome. Um, I also take the um, MASF multi-plant-based vitamin. Doesn't cramp my stomach. Gives me the boost that I need. Smashing greens, MASF smashing greens. I replace one meal a day, two if I'm really serious on fasting, which I'm working towards getting back into that again, all right? And then lastly, I use the Super Greens by Naked Warrior Recovery for a midday snack. And when I have those urges, um, I actually also gave a jar of it to my mom as she's been recovering. And since medicine really, she's very sensitive to meds, she's actually been using it and it has been, and she's a vegan, so that helps. But it's been, it's been really giving her the necessary boost that she needs in order to, uh, you know, continue her path of recovery. So if you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing and the things that I'm taking, you know, I'm happy to go ahead and share that with you guys. You can follow me and DM me on any of my social media platforms, and I'll be happy to get you the information or you can just follow along because, you know, I do share that stuff with people. So we're launching the HR Compliance and Strategy Mastermind this Thursday, January 21st. And you have until noon of that day to submit your application and register. Now, we've been talking about three things this year. How to deal with COVID, the PPP, and leave pay. And it feels like that's it. 
Okay, I lied. Four, and pivoting, right? But we know there's so much more that has to happen in spite of the pandemic and in spite of the crisis that has impacted our business. And we have to still adhere to compliance and come up with strategy to get it done while finding that delicate balance in doing what's in the best interest of the company and the best interest of the employee. So we're going deep into this topic as I teach participants the various HR requirements for a company, how to get everything done over the next 12 months, and how to support your people and employees all at the same time. You're going to learn how to build trust. You will how to learn how to affect change. You will learn how to approach a boss or a CEO, and you will grow. Okay, we're going to spend the next 12 months participating in four quarterly mega sessions and weekly Q&A sessions where we walk through a full year of compliance requirements and I share with you how to implement them with the HR strategy. Now, if you're still not sure if this is for you, then you can attend the free Mastermind sit-in webinar and see what a mega session actually looks like. I talk about real HR compliance requirements that may could happen still in January, so you'll actually get the benefit of walking away with some true hard-nosed HR helpful information. So if you'd like to get on that, go ahead and DM me or message me on Instagram or Facebook and I'll get you the information on this free session. Even if you decide not to do the mastermind this go around, I want you to be able to be successful no matter what so you get a chance to walk away with something very useful. And the HR planners, holy cow. It is not too late to get your copy of the best HR planner on the planet. You can still get ahead and get that head start in the new year. Get ahead of the game, and you can order your copy by visiting brennathrlady.com. Click top, shop at the top, and you can place your order there. We've actually already had to reorder new planners, and the feedback that we're getting is absolutely awesome. So thank you for already purchased your copy. Thank you for sending in uh, your feedback. I really greatly appreciate it. And if you don't know what this is, this is a 60-page wire-bound book. It's a guide that will take you through a number of things. First and foremost, it helps you understand the different types of laws that you need to follow based off of your company size. It also, if you haven't written a job description for yourself or your company doesn't have one, or you're just kind of trying to figure out what this crazy HR thing is all about, it gives you several pages of differentiation between an HR generalist and a manager, talks about skills, um, knowledge, skills, and abilities, what education is required. It gives us a ton of really great information, or you can even use it to help plan your career moving forward. There's a 12-month overview of all of the compliance deadlines that are out there that you would need to engage in throughout 2021. There's actually a 12-month planner in the planner itself that will help you identify, keep you on pace, put in some tips and tricks and reminders that are in there, and then it also gives you something where you can actually plan out different types of strategies when you want to do your sexual harassment training. You can actually get a visualization of when those best months and weeks are just by having something like this laid out in front of you. There's also a section, a hidden section on the website that you can link to using the information in the book that actually gives you a link to every single law that is discussed in the book. There's a place for notes. There's some additional information on how to do a couple of, you know, HRE things that are in there. And it is just ripe with goodness. It's, it's got a lot of really great info on it, and it's pretty exciting. I'm pretty happy about how it turned out. Plus, there's also a few nuggets for government contractors. So get your copy. Okay, We've got a new batch uh, coming in, and they're going to be going out next week. And you know me. I know I love your HR questions. Please continue to submit them in. You can send me your HR questions by going to 
<coughs> excuse me, brendathehrlady.com website, clicking on the podcast link from the menu, and down towards that bottom of the podcast page is where you're going to find that submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. Today's question, it's an interesting one, and I, and I really like this conversation. Why do employees and managers at companies have such a low opinion of the HR department and its people? And I actually saw this question, believe it or not, in an advertisement for a guy who's selling a book. And I don't agree with his approach and what he was saying. One of the things that he was saying is that there's a lot of really bad HR people out there. Well, you know what? I've had the boots on the grounds. I've been the one that has consulted to nearly 500 companies. Actually, I'm now over 500 companies, uh, small businesses. And I got to tell you, out of the 500, I've seen few really bad HR people. What I've seen are people who are trying to figure this out, but I've seen few HR people. And you know what? We're not perfect, right? But I've been to SHRM conventions. I've been to all sorts of SHRM stuff. And I have to tell you, the majority of the people that I have run into are good, solid HR people. So I don't agree with that, all right? But what I do agree with is employees and managers don't always understand what HR is supposed to do. And depending upon how the company and the leadership group actually uses the HR team, that has a direct offset of how employees and managers can potentially view HR people. One of the things I recommend is that if you want to get out there and you want to enact change on how you're seen and that you're not operating in a vacuum, you need to be approachable. And I love this, okay? especially when you're not in the mood, man, you got to be approachable when you don't want to be approachable. And we're going to have those days, all right? Years ago when I worked at CarMax, uh, what I used to do when I, when I got my first HR Sprout job, when I was an HR Sprout, um, I actually grabbed all the paychecks and I walked around. We had 218 people at the max when I was there. And I would distribute paychecks three times a day. I'd do it first thing in the morning. So I hit all the first shift technicians I would do it around lunch so that people, right before lunch, so people could actually take their checks and go to the bank. This is before everybody was like really, really doing direct deposit. And then once again, right before I left for the day, because in that way I would hit third shift and I would also hit uh, the evening sales team. And I was approachable. And what that meant was is that as I was handing out these checks, people would start asking me like, hey, um, how do I get this? Or hey, where can I find this? Or I'm thinking about doing this, or I'd like to, you know, put in for this job. And in in an engaged conversation, and it made it convenient for people to come and talk to me. It also motivated them to actually walk into my office, because they knew after a while that I wasn't the Grim Reaper, and they could actually talk to me. All right. Also, do what you say. Follow up what you do always. Okay. Always, always, always follow up. All right. If you say you're going to do something, you better damn well do it. All right. Your integrity is the one thing you own outright. Nobody else can own that but you. And if you've made a commitment to somebody, don't gaff it off. Make sure that you get back to somebody that you follow up. If you say you're going to do something, this is your best opportunity to underpromise and overdeliver and just literally wow people in your in your team. If you've said that you're going to make a payroll correction on something and you're waiting for a check to come in overnight, you know what? Follow with that person that, that morning that expected to come in and say, "Hey, listen, I've tracked the check. I'm gonna, I'm on my way back to where it's going to get received. I'm probably going to have it to you here in a little while." Right? That makes few people feel safe 
at work. It makes people feel like they're being taken care of and they're not constantly on the defensive. Not to mention, it's a it, it helps them evaluate your character, right? And then lastly, be consistent. Always be consistent, right? Be predictable. Um, one of the, after you've, you know, these two things that I told you about already, being approachable and do what you say, right? You know, follow up, your integrity. That gives you this impression of being consistent and, and not just impression, but it demonstrates that you are. And that's really important because when it comes to hard matters, you better have worked hard to get a good reputation in your company, not by what you think your reputation is, by what other people think your reputation is. And I know that's really hard because you're constantly being judged and evaluated in this position. Trust me, I get it. You know, you have to have thick skin for this. But if you demonstrate that you're approachable, that you have integrity when it comes to hard matters, you're going to be able to work through them easier with people rather than having to fight them so hard. You're still going to have a fight. There's no doubt about it. Right? You're still going to have hardship. You're still going to have struggle. You're still going to have to deal with stuff, but that doesn't mean that it has to be as hard. And what I'm referring to is that um, a long time ago, I had a, a gentleman that did something that was wrong and the CEO wanted him out wanted to terminate him. He didn't even want to know why, wh why he did what he did. He's like, that's it. I want him gone. And I said, well, here's the deal. Let me talk to him. Okay. Because we don't have enough information in order to make this call. I'd rather find out what's going on. He goes, fine, go do the interview and the investigation, sit down with them. <clears throat> and let me tell you something. This employee was shaking in his boots. He knew, he knew he was on the line. He absolutely knew his butt was on the line. No doubt about it. Once he realized the severity of what he did, he knew that his days were numbered in his mind. I mean, I was literally watching the man shake. Afterwards, we came back with a determination not to terminate him, but this was a severe final warning. This better not happen again, or he will in fact be terminated. After he exhaled what felt like 40 pounds of lead <laughs> on his back and, and felt better at the fact that he knew his job was safe, he knew he was safe, he knew he could, you know, continue to help support his family and whatnot. And one thing that he said to me that I will never forget, he looked up at me and he says, I knew even though I was terrified about losing my job, because I was, I realized I screwed up big time. But you know what? The one thing that I knew I could count on is that you, Brenda, were going to be fair and that you were going to give me a fair shot and a fair listen because you do that to everybody. That's an example of how you can actually really get yourself in a position of having people have a higher opinion. They may not like what you say. They may not like what you do, but it's how you treat them. That's a huge piece of this. That is putting the human back into human resources. And when you treat people equally, fairly, even when they are annoying and a pain in the butt, because we have those guys too. I'm sorry we do. You treat those people just as fairly as you treat everybody else, you're going to get, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> I don't know where that sneeze came from. I apologize. You are going to get the reputation that is due to you because of how you treat everybody else. So I absolutely love that question. All right, the next gen women in HR community. Love this group of people. Absolutely love these group of people. You guys, I'm in Clubhouse and we're having real conversations. Now in Clubhouse, 
more so than ever than we were in the next gen women in HR community. I've started a club called the HR Club. All right. Jump over to the next women in HR community. That's where you guys get a chance to really share and network in a very small, great group. Okay. It's an awesome group of people. We'd love to have you join, get in the conversation. But to join us, you have to answer three questions when you apply. And if you don't answer them, we're not going to let you in. And we do this on purpose because we want to make sure that, number one, HR people are part of the group and not outside interests are being represented. Number two, we want to know what your challenges and ambitions are. Now, over at Clubhouse, we started the HR Club. And that's a fun place. It's growing rapidly, rapidly, rapidly. Holy cow. Clubhouse is on fire. And if you want to get in the conversation, that's where you need to be. And right now, I'm giving away one invite in the Next Gen Women in HR community. So if you want to get into Clubhouse, hop on over to Next Gen, Next Gen Women in in Facebook, and we're going to get you, uh, you can get an opportunity to go ahead and jump into the conversation in both places. All right. And every time I get an invite, as I now get multiple invites that I get to give away, I'm going to work on giving one away, okay, every time I get one. doesn't mean I have them every week, but I will get new ones, that's for sure, okay? So you're welcome to jump in. If you're on Clubhouse, hop on over to uh, the HR Club, and you can start in on the conversation. It's a great place. Um, Guys, if you really are enjoying this webcast and this podcast, I really appreciate it. If you would do me a favor, hop over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen and do me a favor, would you please leave a five-star review? I would greatly appreciate it. I get tons of compliments about this podcast and let's get the news out there. Um, Again, I'm on Clubhouse, jumping on as much as I can, both in the morning and the evening. You're going to find me as a moderator. You're also going to find me as a member in the audience. And it really is an amazing place to learn and grow. Um, If you don't know what Clubhouse is, it's an actual social media platform that brings back real-time actual conversation and eliminates the highlight reel. So there's no visual. There's no static. There's nothing that holds still. It's not video-based. It is 100% complete audio. So you have to bring your real, true, authentic self to the table, and it's awesome. And that's where the HR Club is as well. You can also connect with me and find me over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under Brenda the HR Lady. Clubhouse, the same name, at Brenda the HR Lady. You can find me on LinkedIn just using my name at Brenda Neckvattle. That's N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. If you haven't already heard, I also co-host another show called The Real HR Show with the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas. She writes for Inc.com, has contributed well over a 1,000 articles uh, in her career over there, and and she's just a really great lady to work with. And we talk about all sorts of really cool stuff. And last, you can jump over on the website at brendathehrlady.com where you can connect with me me directly. You can uh, go ahead and simply visit the website, click on Connect up the top, and you can get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. And if you have a question and you just need a few minutes, you can actually go on under the About page and schedule a complimentary 15-minute call with me. I'd love to hear from you guys. So it has been yet another awesome week. I'm so glad that you guys have made it through 2020. We are here in 2021. Um, It is the day before the inauguration. I'm recording this. So it'll be interesting to see what happens today when you actually hear it or what happened in the past when you listen to it Thursday and on. <laughs> so, but listen, no matter what happens, guys, be safe. All right. Take care of your people. Take care of yourself. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.